WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. A resolution opposing any loss of local control over zoning for large wind and solar energy projects has been tabled by the Berrien County Board of Commissioners. At a meeting today, the board heard from a consultant that the legislature is looking at getting the Michigan Public Service Commission involved in zoning for wind and solar. However, he said there still is not an actual bill and it's not known exactly how the state will get involved. A board chair, Mac Elliott, said today commissioners could hold off on stating their opposition until they know what they're opposing. I would hope within the next seven days, the folks who are dealing with this in Lansing can get that all together. Elliott said the resolution should only be tabled for one week, so it's still fresh and ready to go when the legislature releases something. Commissioner Julie Werfel disagreed. We've all experienced this year on how fast this legislature will move a bill and how fast this can happen. And it takes us a minimum of two weeks to pass a resolution. I think it's important that we let our legislators know our stance on this so that as they're crafting this, that they keep those things in mind. Werfel said regardless of what's in the bill, the commission should state its support for keeping zoning local. Nevertheless, the commission voted to table the resolution for one week with Werfel voting no. Meanwhile, the Berrien County Board of Commissioners is keeping an eye on developments with short-term rental legislation now being discussed in Lansing. The board heard from consultant and lobbyist Michael Crombean of the Midwest Strategy Group at a meeting today. He said action is coming soon on short-term rental legislation, but this package is a lot different from previous legislation that would have done away with local control of STRs. These bills will stay out of the Zoning and Enabling Act. I know that that's been a, an issue for local governments sort of at large, that the ability to zone these short-term rentals and have some local control is important. Crombean said that this package requires the state licensing of short-term rentals and will include a bed tax. Those are the details being worked out now. If you're going to tax the tourism industry, how do those dollars then stay within the tourism industry? Or in the case of the short-term rentals, we know that local units of government have a cost as they respond to these short-term rental, particularly sort of a weekend incidents, the bad actors type stuff, right? So those conversations are ongoing. Crombean said it's likely most of the tax revenue from short-term rentals would stay local. State Representative Joey Andrews has told us the plan will include a registry for short-term rentals through which residents could lodge complaints about specific properties. Crombie expects legislation to move in Lansing in the coming weeks. The Berrien County Sheriff Appointment Committee is now taking applications for a new Berrien County Sheriff. As Sheriff Paul Bailey nears retirement at the end of the year, the committee will need to appoint a temporary replacement for him. That person will serve for one year from Bailey's retirement on December 31st to December 31st of 2024. The appointment committee is comprised of County Clerk Sharon Tyler, probate judge Mabel Mayfield, and prosecuting attorney Steve Perangeli, and it's requesting candidates use the Berrien County employment application process to be considered. Applications should be submitted to the personnel department of the County Administration Building in St. Joseph. A resume and cover letter can also be submitted with the county application. There's also an online process, and we'll have a link to that at our website. The applications are due by 5 p.m. October 20th. The Sheriff's Appointment Committee will meet November 1st at the County Courthouse. To, the, to uh, review the applications and interviews if needed will be held on November 22nd. The Berrien County Road Department is looking to change the speed limit on two St. Joseph Township roads. Traffic Safety Supervisor Michael Yingling tells us the previous speed studies on Miami Road between Napier Avenue and Woodward, as well as May Street from the Benton Harbor City limit to Woodward, indicate the posted 25-mile-an-hour limit is not legal. 
That's because 85% of drivers go about 40 miles per hour through those stretches. State law requires that speed limits be based on an 85th percentile principle. What that involves is you place traffic counters out and you measure the speed of every car. And there's a little formula. It's basically what speed 85% of the drivers are traveling at or below. So it kind of tosses out the 15% that are either speeding excessively or going way too slow or something. Yingling says a new speed study is being done to verify what was learned previously. We're going to try to do the 85th percent speed method, and I haven't got the results yet. The counters are actually out today, and once those numbers come back in, then we'll know where it's probably going to be set at. Yingling says it's likely a new limit of 40 miles per hour will be set on those roads. He says what he has found is that drivers rarely follow the posted limit and just drive what speed feels natural. For traffic to flow smoothly, he says it's better to have a limit that reflects that reality. A new speed limit could be posted by the winter. The new River Valley Elementary School will be celebrated with a dedication and tours this month. River Valley School District Superintendent Dave Campbell tells us the building is about two years in the making. It's an addition to the middle and high school building in Three Oaks, meaning all district students will now be under one roof. Campbell says this means increased efficiency. It really opens up opportunities for collaboration, cross-age kind of work that's well-supervised and effective, easy for staff, shared staff. They don't have to drive from one school to another. They're just walking down the hall. And Campbell says the new building was funded through a bond as well as district funds. It replaces the district's aging elementaries, Chickaming Elementary, and Three Oaks Elementary. It was just time. When you look around at the other schools, a lot of kids are learning in far newer schools, and now now our elementary school is right up there amongst the, the finest in the county, and, and the kids here in River Valley deserve that. Campbell says the old buildings will be sold. Chickaming Elementary is already for sale, and Three Oaks will be soon. River Valley School District will hold a dedication and celebration of the new school on Monday, October 16th at 6 p.m. Residents can tour the building from 5.30 to 6 and then again after the ceremony. The ceremony will feature the River Valley Marching Band, student speakers, the school board, and principals, and everyone's welcome. And the new Bridgman Courtyard has been selected as one of four projects statewide to compete for the Michigan Municipal League's Community Excellence Award. The Greater Bridgman Area Council for Growth and Advancement says the courtyard, which is an outdoor space on Lake Street for concerts and other gatherings, will be shown off at the MML's conference in Traverse City October 18th as part of the competition. The theme of bridging our community with the Bridgman Courtyard will be carried through the booth design, a presentation to share the space's story. The winner of the award will be announced October 20th. Meanwhile, the Bridgman CGA has been awarded a $25,000 grant from the Michigan Nonprofit Relief Fund for its operations. CGA Treasurer Bob Clark says the grant, quote, ensures that the CGA can maintain its momentum in serving the community, especially during challenging times. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. A power struggle on Capitol Hill led to the ouster of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and now the House of Representatives is paralyzed without a speaker, as says another potential government shutdown looms. ABC's Jay O'Brien has more from Capitol Hill on the race that will put another speaker in place. From the members that we're talking to, they point to the bad blood in the House Republican conference right now. The tensions that ran hot in that Tuesday vote to oust McCarthy are still simmering. One, a McCarthy ally, Representative Garrett Graves, told our Mary Bruce he felt the situation on the floor on Tuesday was so tense at times it could have gotten physical. I was talking to Republicans yesterday who say they want to punish those 
those eight lawmakers who voted against McCarthy and even try to expel Matt Gates from the House Republican conference. The Biden administration is going to resume deporting migrants to Venezuela, two officials uh, tell the Associated Press. The process is expected to begin shortly, but officials say, though they did not provide specific details on when the flights would start taking off, the officials were not authorized to publicly disclose details of the government's plan ahead of an official announcement, and they spoke to the AP on condition of anonymity. The administration has also increased protected status for Venezuelans who arrived to the U.S. The news reflects the larger strategy by Biden not only to provide expanded legal pathways to people arriving, but also to crack down on those who came illegally into the U.S. There's word that former President Donald Trump is considering showing up next week as House Republicans hear from candidates for speaker. More from ABC's Stephen Portnoy. Sources caution that nothing has been finalized and plans could change, but the sources also tell ABC News the former president is thinking of sitting in on next Tuesday's candidate forum. If he attends, it would mark Donald Trump's first time inside the U.S. Capitol since his presidency, certainly the first time since the riot led by his supporters on January 6th. Some members of the GOP conference have suggested that Republicans should choose Trump as their next speaker. He says he'd rather be the next president. Lawyers for Donald Trump have asked a judge to dismiss the Washington federal election subversion case against him. The lawyers argued today the Republican is immune from prosecution for actions that they say were taken in his official role as president. The motion amounts to the most pointed attack on the federal case charging Trump with plotting to overturn the results of the 2020 election that he lost to Democrat Joe Biden. The Trump lawyer's motion says prosecutors can't argue that, quote, Trump's efforts to ensure election integrity and to advocate for the same were outside the scope of his duties. Prosecutors are expected to contest the motion. Now to the race for the White House. Some top Republican donors are calling for the DeSantis and Haley campaigns to make their cases and why their candidates the best option to take on Donald Trump in 2024. ABC's Justin Finch has more. ABC News has learned the prominent Republican mega-donor group American Opportunity Alliance is holding a summit next week in Dallas, Texas. Campaign officials for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley are invited, each expected to defend their candidate as the most viable opponent to Donald Trump for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. The summit comes as two new polls show Haley leading DeSantis among likely Republican voters in New Hampshire and South Carolina. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. A man who wounded 10 people in a rush hour subway shooting in New York last year has been sentenced to life in prison. Frank James was sentenced to today. He pleaded guilty to terrorism charges earlier this year for the April 2022 mass shooting. His attorneys requested a reduced sentence of 18 years, pointing to the lack of fatalities as evidence that James didn't intend to kill anyone. Federal prosecutors say James spent years carefully planning the subway shooting in order to inflict maximum damage at the height of rush hour. They said the fact that no one was killed was just miraculous. Before the shooting, James posted dozens of videos online under the name Prophet of Doom. During a briefing today, the White House press secretary essentially said that the Biden administration had no choice but to move forward with construction of about 20 miles of border wall. That's even though they don't think it's effective. ABC's Karen Travers has more. The White House says it has to move forward with construction of about 20 miles of border wall because Congress appropriated the funding for this back in 2019, and the law requires the project to be completed by the end of this year. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre in Thursday's briefing faced a barrage of questions about the president's position. His stance on the border wall has not changed. 
He does not believe it is effective. He's been very clear about that. The White House insists the president has asked Congress multiple times to cancel or shift those 2019 funds. But when pressed on how and when he's done that, Jean-Pierre could not give any specifics. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. If you ask Americans what the religion is, nearly one in three will say none. That's according to the U.S. adults surveyed by the Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs Research. They're called the nuns, not religious sisters, but N-O-N-E-S. Other surveys are showing they've been growing steadily for the last 30 years. Half of the nuns call themselves atheists or agnostics, but the other half say they're nothing in particular. Many say they believe in God, heaven, prayer, astrology, karma, or reincarnation, but the nuns really don't like organized religion. They span class, gender, race, ethnicity, and age. More than 4 in 10 young adults are nuns. Researchers say that they'll continue to grow. And the largest healthcare care worker strike in history is continuing today. More from ABC's Alex Stone in California. For the second day, 75,000 Kaiser Permanente workers are on the picket lines. There are no signs of significant progress or any agreements between the workers and Kaiser on staffing levels. Orlando Vega is an emergency room tech in Fresno and says staffing has to be addressed. There are four five-hour waits in the emergency department which is, you know, ridiculous. Even if there is no agreement on a new contract, the strike will end at Kaiser Hospitals in western states on Saturday morning. Alex Stone, ABC News, Los Angeles.